Welcome to Tell Me More, Tell Me More the Podcast. I'm your host, Leah. And I'm your host, Alicia. And this is a movie musical podcast where we watch a movie musical and then we talk about it. Happy New Year. <laughs> <laughs> we are in the year of 2020. Yes, we are perfect vision. Yeah. Both of us wear glasses. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, this week we watched Meet Me in St. Louis, which is like a movie that takes place in the course of a year, kind of like Rent was, almost like we planned it. <laughs> like New Year Organized. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have a history of this movie at all? Not at all. Like, really, I mean, I have a history with some of the songs. Sure. But with the whole movie itself, I could not have told you what happened in this movie <laughs> before I watched it, because I, except for the fact that Steven got a link in it. <laughs> That's fair. Um, I'm kind of there with you. Um, I know in the, the Sex and the City movie, um, Jennifer Hudson is Carrie's um, assistant, and her name is Louise or something like that, mm-hmm. and she gives Carrie a DVD of Meet Me in St. Louis. For Christmas. Okay. <laughs> I mean, they play like a couple of scenes from it. They play the trolley song and something else. But I mean, I've had a long history with the trolley song for some reason. And obviously, Christmas later. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess let's get into it. Okay, so Meet Me was made in 1944. But it's actually set uh, in 1904. I think it's based on a book. Is it based on a book? It's based on a book. <laughs> it's based on like a short, story, short story series that was then turned into a book. Yeah. Like that. Uh, well, I think it's based on. Oh, they're based on memoirs, uh, and then it was based. It's made into a book. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, I don't know, I guess some of it might have been there at some point. But, um, yeah. With the Louisiana Purchase Exhibition, if that's the, like, the main thing we're aiming for towards the end or whatever. Yeah, I think, um, I think we just took like a select of the memoirs and yeah. like, okay, this is in the Louisiana Exhibition, Ex- Exhibition, Exhibition, it's probably <laughs> But the World Fair. Yeah. We'll just call it the World Fair. Yeah. Um, but yes, it's the, it will be the World Fair, so everyone is very excited about it. Mm-hmm. And that is basically the plot of the whole thing, is everyone being excited about the World Fair until the end of the World Fair. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like things kind of have it in between. It's, it's like uh, vignettes of like, yeah, very slice of life. Slice of life. Slice of life. Yeah. Of life. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. Do we got a link in it? If you haven't said so. <laughs> a fucking treasure. <laughs> like, wow. So, let me take it starts in the summer of 1903, um, and then you go over the four seasons, because I believe that it takes place over a year. Yeah. So, we first 
it, it's very, I, I'm going back to remembering the fact that there used to be road shows of musicals and things like that. Did I talk to you about this? No. I didn't talk to you about this. Okay, okay. so <laughs> music, musicals in the, in the very early days of cinema, uh, musicals were very popular things to make. Yeah. And musicals went on road shows, so they would oh, take right, them yeah, yeah. around and, you know, like, rich people would get to see it and stuff like that. So just the little snippets just remind me of the, the road show kind of feel, where it's like, you'll have the first season next, and then there'll be an intermission, and then you'll have the second season next, and that kind of thing. Yeah. Just the, like, the old place card. But because this has nothing to do with the plot. So, when we open, we get a picture of the house. It's like an Edwardian house. And we have the kitchen scene where we meet the mother and the maid, uh, the maid is called Katie. And the mother is Anna. Uh, then we can catch up, which like <laughs> I guess it's like nothing, but I don't think anyone right now knows how to make ketchup except yeah. for the makers of ketchup. Right, yeah. And the, they all have opinions of how to shower or yeah. fix a certain day. Yeah, we just kind of get briefly introduced to each of the different children that live in the house. We meet Lon, who's like, I guess, the firstborn son, mm-hmm. the only son, uh, the tallest child. We then get introduced. After Alonzo, we get introduced to Agnes, who was swimming, and she, in her bloomers, is singing the song, Meet Me in They never sing the song completely until later, but yeah. they sing like, they sing it through, and then someone else sings it, the next one sings it as she goes upstairs with the grandfather, yeah. um, who was singing it as he came. And then you look out the window as the grandfather moves to another room. Which I'm like, this is great filming, actually, by yeah. the way. Yeah. Because he moves to a window, and then we look out the window, and kids are yeah. coming down the street, and we meet Esther and Rose, uh, who are coming off of a carriage, a horse-drawn carriage, um, singing the song with a few of their friends. So. Yeah. I mean, it's like for the first 15 minutes, they sing the song. Yeah. Um, and just <laughs> Not terrible. It's just that it happens all it's for like fifteen minutes for like oh a new verse. <laughs> oh, okay. But the the main purpose uh, in this first scene is to establish that Rose is expecting a long distance call from someone who might be about to propose to her. Right. After <laughs> Over an 
convention. And I'm like, yes, Macy. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you shouldn't accept any sort of relationship information over an engagement. <laughs> but they're trying to organize that dinner be held earlier so that by 6.30 they're not in the dining room so that Willis can have some privacy with a phone call with Warren Sheffield, who is the man in New York who's going to potentially propose to her. Now, yeah, Esther... Is he in Harvard or something? I think so. I think he's a school in the flight. He's in Harvard. Yeah. I, I remember they mentioned something like Harvard. Princeton. Isn't Princeton where the brother goes? Oh, wait, no. That's true. <laughs> I don't remember. I mean, it doesn't really matter. It's just... I just remember Some school them. in New York. Yeah, one of the Ivies. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, it's this, this whole summer scene is very interesting. We also get introduced to the fact that um, Esther is absolutely sleeping with the boy next door who's been living there for approximately three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like obsessed with mother. Like, he's, he's outside on his lawn, he's just minding his own business, and Esther and Rose just push themselves and go out and sit on the veranda and look over at him. And try to be like <laughs> super casual and like, oh, what a wonderful day it is to be sitting outside here, outside, next door to you, outside. <laughs> like, he doesn't even notice that. I know. And they're like, oh, well, how rude. And I'm like, no. <laughs> He's living his life. But, oh, uh, I guess um, the boy in the is called Don Truitt. Um, we actually meet him a bit later, but it's just really Rose being smitten, and when she and Esther part, not Rose being smitten, Esther being smitten, my bad, yeah. and when she and Rose part, Esther stays downstairs and looks out of the window longingly and sings the boy next door. How can I ignore the boy next door? It's a very uh, dreamy kind of yeah. longing. I guess that's the I want book. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Just him. Him in particular is my entire goal. For yeah, which is like, that sounds like I texted you, like I should live in <laughs> Like There's nothing to do. <laughs> oh my god. Like, there's also, like, the emphasis that is put on, like, getting married. It's just like, what are you going to do? Rose is 20, and Esther is in a tizzy because she's unmarried at yeah. 20. <laughs> yeah, she says at one point, like, she's getting old. I'm like, no, she's not. <laughs> but, like, that, that, um, but, like, that's the thing. It was the norm back then. That made sense. What she was saying was not offensive or weird or crazy. It was like accurate or whatever. Which is why I was like, mm, couldn't do it. But uh, yes, after that we get introduced to Agnes. Um again because she's looking for her cat. Uh, but it's it's not really anything, they're just really preparing the dinner for this evening. Um oh we also get introduced to Kiki who is working on the ice carts. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's such a random thing. Yeah. She looks, like, fine, I think. <laughs> yeah. And she's just, like, working on this horse-drawn ice wagon with Mr. Neely. Mm-hmm. 
but uh, I don't know. It, it's not really anything. It's just for the fact that she seems to have a more of a thing with carrying her dolls and giving them say Yeah. <laughs> she was like, oh, I have four diseases. And she's like, and it only takes one. Yeah. <laughs> I know, she just seems so amused at the stories and she's so used to it as well. Yeah. It's like, oh, you know, at least this isn't boring.
it's hard to find help for twelve um, dollars an hour. Yeah, and he's like, well, I will pay fifteen dollars if I have to, um, or <laughs> something like that. Basically, like fuck me. <laughs> and then he goes up to take the bath again. Anyways, but it's dinner now, and they're they're trying to rush through dinner not subtly. So Katie says like a ladle of soup and goes around the table and then in a second she picks up the soup in front of uh, Katie and her dad's like, oh Katie, you're done already now, that's what I like to see. And then by the time he looks down at him, um, the the soup is gone too and he's like, well either I lost some soup or I gained the soup. And I'm like, oh so you can be funny, I guess. (laughs) You're not a total jerk. Yeah. But they're trying to rush through the dinner and he's not having it. And then the phone rings. Oh my god. I <laughs> this entire scene made me so angry. <laughs> the phone rings and he's like, I'll get it. And he picks it up and he's like, Hello? No, no. I'm not trying to get to New York call to New York. And hangs up. <laughs> and then Rose just like crying at the dinner table. Just like, oh great. And Ephraim is like, well, you ruined her plans to get married. That was a long trip. She's caught from Warren Sheffield. And he's gonna propose. You know, don't have Yeah, oh my god. Every time she says it, I'm like, girl, stop. <laughs> but um, the father's like, goes around the table and asks who all knew about this potential phone call. And it's basically everyone. And he's like, well, when did I get voted out of this family? Like, it's not your thing and he says well from now on i'll take all incoming calls and the phone rings again it's like so i think that's for you yeah <laughs> i was like you you have you don't settle on anything with this but it is one and they have some special conversation of her anticipating something and him not understanding it there's sh- i don't understand why they're shouting each other because at first i thought it was that they couldn't hear each other. Mm-hmm. But then Agnes, who is like five foot, <laughs> not even five, like a good six or seven foot away, hears what he's saying through the phone to her yeah. because they're shouting. So I'm like, how is she not hearing him when her sister, who is further away, can they hear her hear him so clearly? Yeah. I don't know if they were doing that on purpose or not. But but yeah, it's just like a whole thing of like, hello? Yeah, this is great. How are you? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I didn't hear what you said. No, I said, how are you? How is Blue? No, how are you? <laughs> That's basically the conversation. And then she's like, is there something you wanted to ask me? She's like, no. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Oh God! And, and then, then she she ends it by saying, "Oh, I have an engagement." It's like, was that were you trying to imply? Oh, yeah. I think it's like, no, you're just gonna end the call call now. It's yeah. not gonna be the uh, painful pain, actual pain they put me in. But I don't know. It was it it was a phone call, so. They, Rose and Esther, formed a plan in order to get John Stewart to their house. Um, Esther, not Esther, Rose, I keep messing them up. Rose right. was gonna host a party, 
her work on Esther. And they or her their brother's leaving. Yeah. That he's going to Princeton. Yeah. Uh, and it's gonna be held in their house. So they send Don a letter. Uh, I guess he accepted because he arrived. And well I mean he did work. But Esther's like, Well, I'm gonna let John do it because he's nice. But well, so they get married. Like Esther, you haven't even so presumptuous. Every turn of the of the said a word to him. Sang a whole song about him not acknowledging their existence (laughs) earlier. Well, we're gonna get married. (laughs) But yes, Esther comes down. Acts the proper hostess and great gift. She does have a line that I really like. Okay. So, yeah, she says, I'm going to learn things from this, we're going to get married, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And um, Rosie's like, no, but like, um, men don't want the, the women to be uh, uh, Nice girls don't let men kiss them until after they're engaged. Men don't want the groom like that. And then Esther's response is my favorite, which is like, I've got too much bloom or something like that. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes, queen. But yes, the party's underway, and they, they, you mean Esther and John, yeah. finally get introduced. And Esther acts like she's never seen him, but she hasn't been looking at him longingly mm-hmm. for three weeks. She's like, oh, mm-hmm. you, you live around here? Oh, okay. <laughs> Her brother is right there, and he's like, he lives next door. <laughs> Immediately done with his sister's posturing. He's like, what are you done with I've seen, I've watched you. We live in this house together. <laughs> I have seen you meaning. Stop it. Yeah. But, I mean, I'll under time. But yes, they get introduced uh, and they begin dancing. Uh, Lon, for, for now I'm going to call the younger one Lon and yeah. the other one Alonzo. Mm-hmm. So, Lon. And um, uh, they introduced her for a second. She wears glasses, so I don't know her name. But one of the um, guests who's brought her violin, one is playing a strong head, and then mm-hmm. uh, they all strike a band together, and they start to dance to Skip to My Knees. Which I didn't know was like a proper song <laughs> before. Oh, because yeah, it's like a nursery rhyme yeah, type thing. Kids but, saw like we say together in the primary school, whatever. No, this is a hot two that's bumping <laughs> at 1903. <laughs> right, man. This is a this is a bop. But yeah, this is the first like production where it's like everyone is dancing, coordinating, like yeah. each people are singing different parts. Probably a lot of activity at once. Yeah, it's a pretty cool arrangement because it's like it uses um they use that tune too. Mm-hmm. And so I I like the arrangement of whatever the heck is going on. <laughs> but during the song, because they're going to be so much noise, Keith and Agnes end up coming downstairs and holding off by the banisters and. They get noticed, and uh, the, the, the older sister scratches them and back up, 
but they um, <clears throat> they end up being allowed to say that Kiki wants to sing a song. <laughs> like, okay, that's logical. Yeah. But the song that she ends up singing is, I was drunk last night. I think singing only is very briefly. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it's five, and I don't know who taught that song, so it's probably the singing. Um, yeah. But yeah, I was drunk last night, drunk the night before. Um, but if you just forgive me, I'll never be drunk, I never get drunk anymore, something. Yeah. And they are, um, and they're like, okay, well, you sang a song now. And they're like, no, I can do the cakewalk prompted by Lon. Yeah. I can do the cakewalk. And it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> so Esther and Kiki get up and do the cakewalk, which is a song that is called Under the Bamboo Tree. Yeah. That is not inappropriate. <laughs> I didn't want to, like, full-on blast, like, racism. Right. But <laughs> 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 it's it's a song. It's a song. Um, it's basically a song about um, like uh, someone traveling through a jungle and they find like um, a dusty princess who yeah. has been jungle. Yeah. If you like the me, like I like the you, na 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 na. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, okay, it's 1903, girl. This yeah. movie's made in 1944. Real budget. Yeah. Pull it off, there's gonna be absolutely no people of color in this whole film. You just have to bear it. Yeah. Just bear it. <laughs> but yeah. That song happens, and they get applause. Um, afterwards, the guests begin to depart. Uh, Lon goes to walk uh, the girl with the violin home, and uh, when John uh, is trying to find his hat, and it was actually hidden in the bread basket, incidentally. Um, well, I'm trying to figure out if she did it on purpose I or accident. I definitely think she did it on purpose. On purpose. <laughs> to, so that he's the last one to leave. 1,000%. <laughs> <laughs> at first I thought, oh, maybe she just left it there, you know, after they did the dance thing. No, no she mm-hmm. hid it in the bed basket. Yeah. Okay. That's All right. I'm fully going with that. There's absolutely no way. Why would it be in there? <laughs> Otherwise. Yeah. But they end up saying goodbye like five times or shaking hands. Like they depart and they shake hands and then they start to leave and they shake they hands, hands again. Yeah. And then he gets to the door and is like, they shake hands again mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. he's out the door. And he's like, walking, help, like helping me to talk the lights or whatever. And he's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Okay. So, and then they just like, walk around like it's another scene where I'll just like tense because I'm like I don't know where this is going <laughs> I mean obviously you can't go anywhere like really wild or anything yeah. but like I'm just like I like I, so much anxiety because I'm like can he not tell how much he is flirting right now like he is <laughs> like signs 
she gets all excited and so happy when you see her and then they make their way individually to the front of the trolley and they get sitting beside each other and she just doesn't say anything to him and then the summer is over (laughs) (laughs) so we move on to the autumn now in autumn they seem to be starting in October uh, because it's Halloween and Halloween in 1903 is terrifying for me in 2020 (laughs) because well let me just start off with they dress the they dress the two youngest girls they still seem to be children but they dress the two younger girls up in like these ripped up clothes that look like they belong to either their father or their grandfather or their older brother can't use anymore all torn up and shredded and they have chalk all on their faces mm-hmm. and um, Agnes has a mask and Trudy has a fake nose and I'm guessing that's enough for people to not know what you look like anymore I mean it's I mean it's fair it's very it's yeah it works. It makes sense. And also, I guess there's no television. So, <laughs> that too. Oh boy. God, my goodness, this is so <laughs> But, the girls are getting ready to go out, and Kiki is telling a story about where one of their uh, mean neighbors they planned to take out Mr. Brockhoff, who's apparently been poisoning cats. And I don't know if it's true or not. I mm-hmm. doubt it is, because yeah. Tootie seems to be a great big storyteller, mm-hmm. and apparently he's been poisoning cats and like beat his wife with a red hot poker. <laughs> yep. It's so, and the worst thing is that he has empty whiskey bottles in the cellar, and like so the man drinks occasionally. Um. So. The girls set off to to um, meet with, I guess, the rest of their child brigade. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to call them. It's, it's like a it's like a gang, but uh, I think they're meant to be just this particular thing. But um, their plan is to go out and kill people kill as in throw flower in the faces of yeah, people like who what a terrifying <laughs> thing to call it <laughs> like to go to random people's doors and throw flower in their faces and their grandfather is like oh I wouldn't be caught dead out on a night like this and uh, also when you let the if you let the flower it'll make it harder for me to get it off and I'm like Killing is called throwing flour in their faces or later. So, uh, and also to kill them is to tell them how awful they are. But the other neighborhood children, and by children I mean children, mm-hmm. have erected a bonfire in the middle of the street <laughs> and are just loading on old furniture, and no one is supervising these children or this fire. <laughs> I what? What? Agnes is maybe nine at most. And none of the children there seem older than her. I was like, you have 
a bunch of 10 to 5 year olds with this fire in the streets and their plan is to just go to random people's houses and throw fire in their faces to kill them. I'm guessing this is the trick portion of Halloween? And they started giving out candy to stop this? But now it's just... No, that's the only logic I can think of. Like, you start giving out the treats to stop the tricks, so they stop doing all of this. Sure. Horrifying. But, they all begin to split off. Uh, one set goes off to the Mitchells, one goes off to another house, and then they're trying to decide who's going to go off to Brock Hall, but no one wants to go off because it's too scared, and then Trudy is like, I'll go, I'll go to the Brock House. I'm not there. And then Tootie goes off to the Brock House alone. And you look into the Brock House house and they're looking just sitting there. Minding their <laughs> own business. Being home on Halloween. But she rings their bell and Mr. Brock House comes to the door with their bulldog and is like, Well, I hate you, Mr. Brock House. And throws the fire at him and he just goes, and yeah. she runs off. He doesn't even look mad. He's just like <laughs> this flower on me. But he doesn't even look upset yeah. about it. Yeah. But and the dog starts eating the flowers like he's afraid to have some flowers. But Trudy runs back, flower half on her face, and uh, gets caught by Ag and says, Trudy, Trudy, where is he going? I killed him. Tootie killed the Brock off on his own. Tootie's the bravest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. There's really nothing to do. <laughs> there is so much of nothing to do. And then she's given something to throw into the fire, a chair? Yeah. So it's half of a chair. Yeah. To throw into the fire. And then back at home, uh, Rose has been. Um, brought home from getting ice cream by some colonel yeah. who we never see again. But um, apparently she is interested in him because he is mysterious. Yeah. <laughs> but um, they hear the sound of a scream. Down the oh, right, they yeah. as in she and Esther. Esther who is like Who's that? Who's who? Who's what? But um, they hear a scream and they're like, it sounds like Tootie. And Rose runs inside while Esther runs down to the closet. And the next time you see Esther, she has Tootie in her arms, carrying her um, back and up towards the house. And um, Tootie's crying. And the grandpa's like, call the doctor. And they bring her inside. And she like, has like some rings on like her top and bottom lip. Yeah. Um, with a small cut, it looks like. Yeah. But the doctor arrives, and she's like, Uh, he tried to kill me. And like, who is he? It's John Truett tried to kill me. He yeah. tried to kill me. And it's like, okay, <laughs> are we talking about the same guy who barely shake the girl's hand, okay? And it's like, no, he tried to kill me. Yeah. It's like, John Truett hit a girl. How dare he get yeah. girl? Esther's like, bitch. <laughs> and like, storms off and is like, okay. And she like, really goes at him. Like, 
solidly is punching him, biting him, whatever. And she's like, you're a bully. Why don't you pick on someone you're wrong side? If you know if there's something I can't stand, it's someone who's, who's like mean and blah, 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 and it's like attacking his or whatever. And then she just storms off and he's confused as fuck. He's like, <laughs> Like, she clocks him good across the face. Yeah, like, she, she for real, like, she gets him. And he's like... <laughs> she, like, just leaves, and he's just, like, left confused. Uh, but Kitty is in the middle of, like, getting all taken care of. The doctor had to give her stitches yeah. on her upper lip, I'm guessing. And she was like, I'm gonna sleep here in this in my mom's bed, and I want Esther nightgown. Yeah. Whatever. It's <laughs> like okay, and then Esther reappears. He's like, I got it. I got it good. And then Agnes appears because they finally get the story of what's actually happened, and it's that Kitty and Agnes stuck the dress to look like a body and laid it on the trolley track to mess up the trolley car yeah. and John Truett saw and tried to hide Kiki and Agnes from the police and that's why they fought. Yeah. I was I was like, so he was trying to not get you in trouble yeah. and you got him beat up by your sister. Yeah, I mean like, let's forget that for a second. They <laughs> Fucking put a, a fake body on the train track. What the hell is wrong with these children? I mean, I guess, yes, I get it. Nothing's happening in 1903. But, like, <laughs> but like yeah, like, someone says, like, that you could have killed people. Like, yeah. what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, the trolley car could have gotten jammed and overturned and, like, actually hurt people. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Anyway. And then Esther's like, fuck, I just, <laughs> now I have to go back and apologize. So Esther goes back across, and then as soon as Johnny hears him, he gets up and is like holding his chair. I was like, what's happening now? You know, fight me again, what? Yeah. But, um, I love how she says, I'm so glad you accept my apology, but I didn't hear her apologize. <laughs> Yeah. So it's like, I don't know how I feel. 
And it's like, we'll have to live together in a flat. It's like, don't they have houses in New York? And it's like, that's for rich people. And I'm like, and if you're watching their house and the way that they live, yeah. you would think that they're pretty all right. Yeah. They look pretty fine. Yeah. I don't see what struggle they're going to have. Apparently, rich people have houses in New York. <laughs> but uh, I think it's, it's mostly just the shock that they're like, they're going to have to be a food cake. Mm-hmm. That brings everyone to prison and they don't have any appetite for like a Halloween cake. And they all do, except for Anna. It's a Halloween cake situation. <laughs> <laughs> they all leave, except for Anna. And uh, Alonzo just gets pouty. Uh, it's like, well, I guess I'm the bad guy now. And I was like, no, I understand. Eat your cake while I say the piano. <laughs> and um, he ends up actually. Oh, you and I together. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually really funny. It, it was. I, I appreciated that. 
I'm like, oh god, at least left our brains a little bit. Yeah. We need to sit down But um after the course of Don uh Don arrives, they're not dressed for the fall, but they're not in their dress for the stick up in the underground so she puts on those and runs downstairs and she doesn't look like she's paying anymore. Yeah. But the John is there and he has bad news for Esther. Bad news in the form of his suit is locked in the trailers and he's playing basketball. Yeah. And he can't borrow his father's suit because that was his father's suit. And anyone else who has a suit is going to the ball. So he can't go with Proxy means Esther can't go. Right. And Esther is just devastated because it's going to be her last ball in Big Vivi, mm-hmm. her last chance to have this with her friends, everyone she knows, and now she can't go. And she runs off saying she hates the basketball, yeah. but not him. And it, um, she's on the stage crying. And Moses trying to console her, being like, "Well, you know, Mom can take both of us." And she's like, like, "What did I look like going with my brother?" And he's like, "Well, he was good enough for me." He's like, "That was different. You didn't have a date." <laughs> but well, now you don't either. Yeah. <laughs> but um, she's like, "No, I'm not going at all. I'd rather not go." And um, her grandpa was like. I'll take you. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't really much women thing. No. And that's the ball. That's the ball. And um, she, Esther and Willis have been making the dance cards, but then the thing is, like, you choose who your partners are yeah. for different dances. Yeah. Um, Which, wow. So much but they, they filled one in for uh, Lucille so that she would get her away from Well, Warren. they filled hers out with a bunch of, as Wikipedia put it, losers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I found that was really sad. That's <laughs> racist. Um, but yeah, they filled it, filled it out with a bunch of losers so she had a terrible night. Yeah. Um, but before you know she they can dance their dance card uh, before she arrives rather um before by she i mean after trust me before after her arrives um lucille warren rose and lon are all sort of talking um and lucille's like if we were all being adult about this you would tell like warren would tell rose that he, he's like really into her or whatever and yeah. he wants to dance with her or whatever and like if we were being adults about it like I wouldn't mind like dancing with you on and they're like okay <laughs> and you asked her like well I've got your dance cards and those are like uh-uh, abort, abort. The, the plans have changed yeah <laughs> okay so Esther ends up giving Lucille her dance card, yeah. which um, I guess Lucille's going to have a fun night. Yeah. Um, but now she has to dance with the quote-unquote losers. Yeah. Uh, 
and uh, just like uncoordinated people and like people who aren't intentionally passive, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, she's had a time until she ends up dancing with her grandfather, yeah. and he's like. Oh, you're the first human being I danced with. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, hell. Um, yeah, I was a big dance behind a tree, and from that tree they do a quick change. Abracadabra, here is gone. <laughs> yeah. Somehow, she's got it. Yeah. I really don't understand how, but she got it. Sure. Um, but, yeah. After that, uh, they go out for a while, and then just in the next scene, there it's Esther's just crying <laughs> under this tree, and John gives her a handkerchief, and I was like, well, I wouldn't have cared if I thought it was me to cry. I'm like, what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> uh, at first, I thought he said that he loved her or something. Yeah. But turns out he asked her to marry him. <laughs> <laughs> Which I mean, equivalent. Sure. I was like, it's a little extra, but sure. Yeah. So, she, um, she, she, she accepts the proposal, but then immediately seems to start to doubt herself and everything. So then she's like, well, you know, if I were to go to New York, we'd still be able to work something out. It's like, what? But we just had, like, five seconds ago where you were, like, excited to yeah. do this with me. Yeah. Mm. And it's just like, um, like, her trying to, like, see whether or not it would work, because, like, obviously, yeah, she's still going to move with her family. Yeah. Um, and they're like, oh, well, she's like, oh, well, maybe I don't need to go to college, because yeah. I'm not be married, and he's like, I don't even have to do, go to med school or whatever, I don't need to, like, do all that studying, so I can get, like, a job right now, and we could start our life. Um, and that's all sad, but. Yeah. But, um, I think she, yeah, she just tells him Merry Christmas and then leaves him yeah. there and goes home. Uh, she comes on to Petey, who is waiting for them with the Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. And, uh, they end up chatting for a little bit about moving and how will Santa Claus find the next year if they move and uh, Esther ends up being uh, have yourself a merry little Christmas. Mm -hmm. I didn't know this is where this on came from. Down below, it seems to like 
find it within himself after all of these months. Right. But um, this seems to be a moment witnessing um, his youngest daughter sobbing her eyes out as one of his middle children tries in vain to comfort her. Yeah. They come back inside and uh, as Anna takes them up, takes Kitty upstairs, her father's down there, and he's about to light a cigarette and then doesn't and calls everyone downstairs and makes the announcement that they're not going to New York and he's not going to hear a word about it. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, none of their faces look like they were about to argue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're like, oh, for real? Oh. And he's like, and I won't hear no for now. <laughs> And then Warren bursts in. He appears and he's like, Rose, I won't have this any longer. You and I are going to get married. And that's that. <laughs> it just and leaves. And like, my dad's like, who was that? <laughs> right. And like, yeah, he's a little bit old. And he's like, well, who'd be nice to meet him someday, I guess. <laughs> How is she getting married and shit? Like, like, oh, Rose. They're all like, oh, Rose, this is so wonderful. Like, and then her father's like, well, Rose, I'm sure you'll be very happy, whoever he is. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, what kind of personality do you have, man? Like, good lord. But I guess it's fine. I suppose Rose will get married now. And. Everything will be fine, and now everyone gets to stay in New York, and no one's leaving, and it's a Merry Christmas. Everyone starts to open their presents. It's a good time. And then it's spring. Mm-hmm. So this is the final vignette. Uh, we open on a scene with the elder and younger girls, uh, rather all of the girl children, on a porch. They're in like a Sunday dress. They look very fancy, with their little parasols and whatever. Uh, Esther and Rose end up going on a carriage with Warren and Don, and the rest of the family go on another um, carriage. So they're all going to the Louisiana Purchase Exposition. Exhibition. exhibition. I think that's what she says. Yeah, it's an ex- sure. exhibition. Exhibition. It's an exhibition, but I think she says an exhibition. exhibition. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So, you know, it's she. But they get there, and it's breathtaking, and it's the most amazing thing that anyone's ever seen, and I'm supposing in 1903 it was. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've seen what 1902 looks like by now we know. But I think it's all, I think it's like, they have electricity, but I think it's like the first time we're seeing it on like a really grand scale. It's like a mall, like the first time ever. Yeah, it's like, I don't even know the world's fair was like an amazing thing, but this, o
at all things. It's like, never done anything like this in the whole world. And it's here in our hometown. We don't have to stay in a hotel. And we don't have to catch a train. It's here. And it's the center of the world's attention. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. oh Lord. We understand that you would like this to be in St. Louis. <laughs> By now, we have gathered. We got it. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the end of the movie. Yeah. Applause. Uh, yeah, I guess we could get into the rating. Okay, let's see where you are. Um, I think there were only two. Well, no, three main, like, choreo scenes. There yeah. was the party, the trolley, and the dance. Yeah. Um, and those scenes, it looked fairly, like, extravagant. Um, I, I never felt like I was missing anything or lacking much. Yeah. The trolley scene, I mean, it's 1944, so it's like clearly they're just on a thing in front of the screen. Yeah. But um, for what it's worth, it's entertaining. I think they, um, the movements were pretty well choreographed and people were sitting down and cheering up, talking about each other. It looked crowded on the trolley. Yeah. Um, it looked crowded in the house. And I, I, the ball scene, I don't think, got much. Um, Attention, but all of the dances they were doing seemed pretty well, like, choreographed, no one was hitting to each other or anything. Yeah. So, it was nice. Uh, as for the music, I mean, we have staples that have come from this movie yeah. into the music world. Yeah. Um, I just don't know, it looks like this is a classic. Um, the trolley song is a classic. I don't think they wrote it. Things that happened with 
Greece and with other films that are part of life, it's not a lot of plot, but we're still here for two hours. <laughs> Yeah, so it's just like, this happened in January, and then in May, this happened. Yeah. yeah. So, for its story, I'll give it um, three, three quartets mm -hmm. out of five. Hmm. Um, yeah, I agree with you that, like, in terms of conflict, if they introduce the John Esther, like, love that was never meant to be kind of thing mm -hmm. a little earlier um the tension of like oh no but then they're moving what they're gonna do yeah. would have there would have been more and like also after that scene we never really acknowledge that she's engaged yeah like we get rose who's like yeah gets her proposal which is like it happens and whatever and then everyone's like oh yeah and then like Esther doesn't say, hey, I'm also engaged, by the way. This happened outside of the dance, in case you didn't want to know. Also, let's just talk about this for a second. They met in the summer. Yeah. It took all of six months for John to be like, hey, you want to get married? Stranger who I did not know before summer. <laughs> oh my god, but seriously. Seriously. I was going to say, like, that's, like, I tried to suspend most of my decisions down to
Also, I wanted to note another musical where they fall in love really quickly, White Side Story. Oh like, my god. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> I'm okay, but this my disbelief. Okay, that that's hard. based on Romeo and Juliet, and they fall in love that night. So Exactly. Okay, but no, it's fine. <laughs> it's not, again, they weren't getting married. I mean, Maria was ready. <laughs> this is true. I mean, Romeo and Juliet did kind of get married so fast. But again, that was a different time. Mm-hmm. So, different time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Adapted in the 60s or whatever, so I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, my enjoyment, I really enjoyed this. I was alone in bed like 3 a.m. <laughs> or whatever, maybe not that late. Um, just like making commentary, yelling at my screen. So I had a fun time. Um, so I, I will give it. Oh, it's murder to my mind, isn't it? No, it's very dull. Very dull? Yeah, because she murdered her doll. Right. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, she's, she's very dull. Yeah, okay. I'll give it 3.75. You can change it to 3.75. No, it's fine. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. It's 3.75. Um, murdered doll that was a third young city <laughs> done for which is what it is tell me more tell me more podcasts we've got something to confess but something musical related we are completely abstract <laughs> section where we talk about things theater, musical theater, musical related um, that we are obsessed with. I don't know what that sentence was. That, that sentence was. Do <laughs> you have a thing? I do have a thing. Yes. It is only gay musical related. Musical related. Sure. But, um, so by the time you hear this, it's probably closed by now. Yeah. But, there was an event held in the vault um, called the Red Palace, which I think was primarily based on the Adele and Tolstoy of death, but with a fairy tale twist on it in that the, the room, it's one masquerade, so we got to wear masks, it was great. Mm-hmm. And two, it's immersive and semi-interactive, so we got to converse and interact with so the characters that were there. Very interesting, very intriguing. Um, the way that I say it's musical related is because a character sings and dances happen. So, you know, I'm getting away with this because <laughs> this is our show. Yeah. We can do what we want. So, <laughs> I just, I really enjoyed it. Um, it was really fun night. I never get to the minutes this count, but I would have said this before. And it was just a wonderful thing, and I think, honestly, if that theater company is going to hold other things, I'm going to go out of my way to attend them, because it was honestly very magical. And I wish I could miss it. It was really, really cool. Like, 
search for us on Patreon at TMNTMN Podcast or Tell Me More, Tell Me More Podcast. We already have two episodes out. Um, yeah, you can also follow our Spotify playlist where we put songs that we enjoyed from each movie. I've pretty much tweeted all of this before, so if you go to our Twitter, you can like find all the things. Um, so yeah, thank you for supporting us. Thank you for listening. Uh, we look forward to talking to you guys a lot more throughout the year. Holy, tell me more, tell me more podcast. I have been your host, Leah, and I've been your host, Felicia. And I didn't forget to say my name this time. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, see you next time. Or talk to you next time? Sure. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Sandy, oh my god, I can't believe it. I thought you were gone. Oh, well, uh, actually, uh, you know, that's not necessarily the words, but the inflections are on point. Pretty much. So, initially, Danny's really excited, as you could tell by that delightful um, reenactment. <laughs> um, Danny was really excited to see Sandy, but then realizing that he actually has a reputation to uphold and mm-hmm. is a macho bro dude man guy. Um, <laughs> I need a teaser with that <laughs> macho bro dude man guy. Oh uh, yeah, but then Michael jumps over a police car after um. There is no death. ramp. How does he do this? There is no ramp. He just rides towards it and then magically floats above it and then lands on the other side. And I was so bothered by the fact that there was just no ramp. Look, he's just that good, okay? He is cool rider. Oi. And he like does a wheelie all the time. He's constantly just popping a wheelie and I'm like, stop it.